0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 23 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Eventing Radio and Rolex Kentucky 3-Day.
2: Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh
3: till your poop cause
0: It's time again for the Stable Scoop.
3: The stable Scoop.
2: The stable School
3: Scoop. Hello everyone. Helena B here with the Stablescoop Radio Show. We have something a little different for you today, as my co-host Glenn the Geek was out sick this week and wasn't able to record today's episode of Stablescoop. So instead, we're going to air the Horse Radio Network's newest online podcast, The Eventing Radio Show. This is actually episode two of the Eventing Radio Show. And it features upper-level eventer Allison Springer, who's going to talk about the Aiken Eventing Camp that's going to be held next month down in South Carolina. We also hear from Janie Atkinson, who's the vice president of Equestrian Events International and the show director for the Rolex Kentucky three-day event. So Janie's going to talk to us about the new stadium down there, changes to cross-country, and a whole lot more about Rolex for 2009. So we think that's going to be an interesting show for, obviously, eventing enthusiasts, but for the Stable Scoop audience in general. We hope you enjoy it, and Glenn and I will both be back next Friday where uh, the Stable Scoop episode features all about Aiken. Aiken seems to be a hot spot for horsey people in these last couple years, so we're going to explore that in a little bit more detail. We hope you enjoy today's show, and we'll see you next week when we'll be back with The Scoop.
0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
2: This is Episode 2 of the Eventing Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Exclusive Rolex coverage with Janie Atkinson, Executive Director of the Rolex Kentucky 3-Day Event. This is Glenn the Geek. And I'm Chris Stafford, and this is the Eventing Radio Show from Lexington, Kentucky. Well, Chris,
0: we're into our second week, and I'm happy to announce that we actually had a pile of listeners our first week. How about that? I know. I know. I'm very excited about that. I think that the eventing show is going to turn out to be pretty popular. And I I want to thank the USEA for carrying the program. Actually, you can listen to the show right on their website. And uh, Emily Daly over there, who runs their blog, has been uh, great to work with. She's a wonderful person. She writes good stuff for their blog. and, And we appreciate her carrying the show. And they're going to carry every episode. Uh, from now, you know, through Rolex. So, so we're very excited about that, and I wanted to thank uh, Joe and Emily and everybody over at the USCA for participating.
2: That's terrific, you know, and it's amazing how quickly through cyberspace the word spreads of something like this where you've got such a, a keen audience for, uh, you're keen in the sense that they are always looking for information and news, and there's always so much going on in the sport. So uh, hopefully that audience will build over the next few weeks as we lead up to Rolex. And I'm sure it has nothing to do
0: with our charming personalities.
2: Oh, I don't think so, no. not, not yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just no content like this out there. There's nobody doing anything like this. And I think that's why all the programs on the Horse Radio Network have really taken off, is, is because there isn't this kind of program that's done in a professional manner, but yet it's still a lot of fun. It's just not, it doesn't exist out there. Uh, and I, and that's great. I'm, I'm glad that we're able to provide that programming. And speaking of good programming, I have to give a special shout out to my friend, Angela, who does Horse Girl TV. She's over at HorseGirlTV.com. And she actually won the, uh, USEF's Media Award this year for her show she did called Inside Steuben North America. It was a show she did at at Steuben, talking to the people at Steuben, who are supporters of eventing as well. And it, it she did uh, that show. She does little video shows. They're only about five minutes long, and she puts them out about twice a month. But she does a great job with them, and she started this herself. She put all her own money into it, and video's expensive to do. She has very high production. And it was actually noted for its quality and positive educational value to both equestrian and non-equestrian audiences, and I agree with that. And I want to congratulate Angela. Good job, and uh, we wish her well with her podcast, with her video podcast over the next year.
2: <clears throat> have you ever met Angela? No, I have not. No, I think it's terrific. You know, there, there's uh, in, that broadcast category is, is very select because, of course, we don't have an awful lot of – programming to choose from. So it's great that Angela has, has actually been recognized for her efforts because uh, she's put an awful lot into this. And, uh, you know, to get that recognition, you know, you've got it. She can put it on our website uh, and, and hopefully it will attract a, a new audience to, to what she's doing with those video podcasts. You know, they call me, I'm I'm known as Glenn the Geek.
0: She is truly a geek. She does a lot of most of the her own website work herself. And if you look at her website, it's very nice. Uh, and she helps with all the production here. She does have some camera people and stuff, but uh, she does almost all of it, and she does a great job. So <clears throat> congratulations to her. And what do we have planned for today?
2: Well, on our show today, we have the Rolex Kentucky three-day event organizer, uh, Janie Atkinson. Janie has been... Uh, the event director and the uh, executive vice president of uh, Equestrian Events, Inc. now for uh, for some 25 years. This will be her 25th event. So she's actually coming on, on the show today to tell us all about the lead-up to this year's event. And, of course, Jane is also uh, the discipline manager, the eventing discipline manager, that is, for the World Equestrian Games next year. So awful lot on Jane's plate, and she's going to uh, come and tell us all about it. Uh, As well as uh, Janie, we also have um, Allison Springer. Uh, Allison's getting very busy right now. She's down in uh, Florida, but she and Craig Thompson are are planning an Aiken eventing camp, which will be a first, uh, another first on the eventing calendar. So she's coming on the show to tell us all about that.
0: Great. And, you know, we want to remind people that we're going to be doing almost exclusively Rolex coverage with a little news thrown in and maybe a couple of occasional different interviews thrown in. But it's pretty much going to be exclusively Rolex all the way up to Rolex. And then we'll be doing daily podcasts with interviews and updates from Rolex during the event. So you have that to look forward to as well. But I just wanted to remind everybody of that. And also you can check out all our other programming at horseradionetwork.com. We have a couple other shows I think you might be interested in and you should check them out. But for the news this week we didn't have much. There wasn't a whole lot of new eventing news. It's that quiet time of year, but there was a very interesting story and I have to give kudos to Peter Green who <laughs> who added hero to to his resume and this actually came story came from Emily Daly at useventing.com. Apparently, Peter Green was uh, driving down the road about 2 o'clock one afternoon, and he was driving by a Dressage and Hunter jumper barn in Bluemont, Virginia, and he saw a bunch of smoke coming from near the barn, and that was a barn that's owned by Terry Smith. And he drove in when he realized that there might be something going on there. He drove in, and and I guess the way it read is there wasn't, really anybody around, and what it was is he saw a Polaris Ranger, which is one of those ATVs that you carry your hay around and stuff in. And apparently it caught fire somehow, and it had erupted in flames. And by the time he got there, the flames were like 20 feet in the air. I don't know how this happened. Or the gas tank probably caught. The flames were about 20 feet in the air. So what he did, he drove in and saw the Polaris was sitting right beside the barn, and the flames were starting to catch the barn on fire. And there, there were horses in the barn. 18 of them, actually. So what he did is he drove his brand new Ford F-350 dually truck up and pushed the Polaris Ranger out of the way while it was flaming and burning. And then he, he, after he got it out of the way, jumped out of the truck. He ran in the barn, found a fire extinguisher, ran up to the hayloft, and proceeded to put the, the fire had spread into the rafters. He proceeded to put the fire out with the fire extinguisher. And apparently he had it pretty under control by the time the fire department arrived and they, they put it out. Uh, but they credit him. They said if he had not stopped, that the barn would have burnt down. And probably they would have lost horses because it had it, was, it had started going that fast. And apparently it was a hot gasoline fire. You know, it would have been a very hot blaze. Our, our hats off to Peter Green for stepping in when, you know, he didn't have to, uh, but he did.
2: Well, that's terrific. You know, it just shows uh, our vent riders, are, they're pretty tough cookers, you know, and to take that on, is, uh, that, that takes a lot of bravery to go into a fire situation like that. So so good for Peter. Yeah, and you know, there,
0: there were about 18 horses in the barn. Apparently, by the time he got up and was doing the hayloft thing, uh, the barn manager had arrived and, and, a, and a farrier, I guess, and they they were getting the horses out of the barn at the same time. So. It all happened for the better, and the, the owner was very happy and is very uh, appreciative of Peter Green for doing what he did. Now, on the other hand, uh, the barn only suffered minor damage, but unfortunately, there were fatalities. The Polaris Ranger was pretty much dead on arrival, and Peter's brand-new truck apparently caught fire also after pushing the Ranger. So not only did he save the barn, he lost his brand-new 350 dually.
2: Well, I guess that's better than
0: a life. (laughs) Let's hope the insurance company doesn't say, "Well, you put it at risk."
2: Uh, Well, (laughs) yes, yes, he'll have to talk his way through that one. Yeah, now I think you take circumstances into account. Yeah. (laughs) So you said that there's some,
0: also some juicy stories, but we can't talk about them yet.
2: Uh, yeah, we have a couple of big stories, uh, to break next week. Um, one involves the World Cup, um, which is, you know, something that's uh, obviously the HCSBC is a very, very important, um, world event these days. And, um, it's something that we want to put back on the map in this country. So we'll have some, uh, breaking news next week on, on that front, um, and another story too, hopefully coming down the pike. So, yep, yeah, we will be able to add to to this segment, uh, with, with more current news next week, uh, All right. Good. Well, that that just
0: shows we're not afraid to tease people and uh, keep them coming back next week. And I also want to mention uh, one of the things, one of the companies that sponsors our show, and we're appreciative of that. And that is EasySignsOnline.com. They've been very supportive of the Horse Radio Network as a whole. and it's spelled E-Z, the letters E-Z, SignsOnline.com. And what they offer is entrance signs for your farm or business. They also do uh, signs for for your car, magnetic vehicle signs, uh, vinyl banners, outdoor signs. They do all kinds of signs from the very fancy ones you see at the entrances of developments and big farms down to the smallest stall sign that you put outside your horse's stall. So they do all kinds of signs. They do a great Great job. They have an easy online step-by-step ordering process where you choose the options you want on your sign, and then there's an artist that des- uh, customizes it and designs just what you want with your logo if you want, or you can use their stock photography, In any way you want to do it, and they'll design it for you. They'll come back to you with that design, and then they'll make the sign for you all very, very quickly. I actually ordered a the first Horse Radio Network banner, from them and got it in last week and it looks fantastic it is really cool i i'm really excited about it you can visit their website at easy or call them toll free at 1-800-640-8180 and we thank them
2: for their support and our first um, guest on the show this week is allison springer allison who's uh, from upperville virginia is currently in florida uh, preparing for the spring season And Alison's coming to tell us all about the new eventing camp that they're going to hold in Aiken in South Carolina from the 1st to the 6th of February. And uh, Alison, I I, I believe you're really busy getting ready for this. You and Craig Thompson are uh, co-hosting this with a whole week of intense programming training and hopefully a lot of fun. Uh, Tell us all about it, if you would.
4: Um, it was a great idea that um Craig actually approached me about um joining up with him on and and you know, it's just a fantastic way for someone to start um their season, get a really good intro not only to um uh, everything that you really need to know about eventing. we're gonna cover this week. Um uh, but also a great way just to kick start your season and, and get really prepared for your first competition, which will um uh, we'll be following the following weekend at Sporting Days. But we have a bunch of lectures um, lined up. Um, we have um, a top groom that will be joining us. We also have Christiana Ober, Dr. Ober, who is a Canadian team vet, who would love to come and um, talk to us about sport horse uh, management And. um we also have Katie Lou Gray, who is a fantastic equine massage therapist. She works on my horses and uh, really, really um, has helped them quite a bit um, in competing as well as they do. Um, we have, um, it just I can't even remember everything we have. And there's so much, uh, Abigail Lufkin, I think it's going to be a tremendous addition to this week camp because... Um, as a top competitor myself, um, sport, the sports psychology end of things is so important to not only competing well, but also in how you train and in your day-to-day training of your animal. Um, so it's it's just a really exciting week. Um, I love how Craig teaches, and I think his students respond really well to him um, I enjoy uh teaching riders of all levels and all different sorts of horses so I just don't think you can do anything but learn this week. Um, yeah,
0: listen, what 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 level of rider would you say this is for?
1: You know,
4: it doesn't it, it, we can we can tailor to every level of rider. If you were just thinking about getting into eventing, this would be appropriate. If you haven't even um, competed at your first event yet, it would be um, uh, very appropriate for you to join us. I think if you're um, competing already at FEI levels, um, upper-level competitions, this, again, um, I think you'd, you'd learn quite a bit from this week. So it, we're really not it's not limited to any ex level of experience or or um or age at all i think under a certain age we ask um to you know for a parent to be with them but right. but I, I, it's really for everyone and i think with a variety of levels it's it, it's great for everyone to um watch and learn and just absorb everything going on
2: and 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 what does that schedule look like for the week, Alice? And how are you dividing the time between the, the riding aspects and, and and training aspects and the lectures and and demonstrations, all the, the the non-riding activities? Because there's an awful lot going on there to to fill up the week. Uh, give us a yep, sense yep. Of how you're scheduling that.
4: I think you know um, yeah, on the first day. Um, It will be um, kind of more of the get-to-know-you lessons. Um, We'll have uh, project lessons on the first day so we can evaluate um, um, horse and rider needs. Um, It will be a chance for us to watch and ride and just evaluate each horse and rider combination um, on the flat and over fences. Um, And then every day at lunchtime we'll have – Some sort of lecture as well. And then there'll also be afternoon sessions. I think on the first day we were talking about doing a photo critique. Um, You you know, um, we could, you know, critique photos of riders or some of our, even some good photos that we like of riders' positions and and just talk about, because position is so important, obviously, in all the riding that we do. So do some sort of photo critique the first day. Um, and we'll have uh, we'll, you know another lecture as well, and then afternoon sessions we'll do um, probably some semi-private. I think it's important for us to um, you know uh, having that first day private evaluation so we can better find the better pairs that would work together, so the lessons are going to be as productive as possible for everyone. And Allison, um, I def- think we should.
0: I think we should Sorry, mention, too, that uh, you were just bringing that up, and I, I, you had talked to me a little bit here before we started and mentioned that one of the th- cool things about this is we're not talking about 50 riders and you're going to be fighting for attention of the coaches here. You're going to get a lot of one-on-one attention. We're talking, you know, a dozen to, you know, 20 people, and that's it. So they can get some attention. It's, you know, they're not going into a large group where nobody's going to even talk to them all week.
4: Exactly. Exactly. You're going to get a lot of private instruction, and um, uh, but a lot, a lot of one-on-one time, which is, I think, um, certainly the best way to learn. It's also good to be in some uh, group or semi-private situations because I think that's really helpful as an instructor to be talking to people as another student is working through, and everybody can see and watch. Um, you know, what other riders doing, it might be similar, similar to what they themselves are doing. So that, that's good to, to have some groups up, but it's all very, very individualized throughout the week. There's not going to, you know, we'll have, um, you know, I think most every morning will be, you know, every day we'll try to do something um, private, and then there'll be some group sessions, too. But it really, it's, you don't have to fall into this is exactly what we're doing every day. We're really going to tailor it to what each each and every horse and rider uh, needs. So um, one thing I'm really excited about and a huge um, opportunity that we have is to go over to George Gibbs' farm Um and it is probably the best place to cross-country school in this country. It is so fabulous. Um, and uh, that's where I school my upper-level horses. So you have everything from very good baby, novice, um, intro-type fences to very solid, intermediate, upper-level questions, gorgeous water jumps, gorgeous footing, just beautifully built and designed fences, and um a really a really great place to be cross country schooling so i think that'll be fantastic for everyone you know even if you can't get away for the whole winter um you know to to come down and have this week of intense training where you're just going to learn so much and be able to end your week with um a competition at sporting days um would be uh, the best that's where you could spend your week. So, I'm hoping that people might even just treat it as a bit of a getaway from that terrible weather and <laughs> everything going on. So,
2: And what kind of numbers yeah. are you are you planning to attract uh, Allison um what what is you do you have a, a a limit as to the number of riders that you can take?
4: I don't know if we really discussed a limit. I think our um we we don't <laughs> we're not hoping to bring in tons and tons of people. Like I said, uh, we really would like the individual, uh, individualized attention. Our, our hope if, you know, with just Craig and I coaching, we were thinking that 12 number would probably be the high end that we'd like. If we had more interest in that, we could certainly discuss, um, an additional instructor that, um, we both agree, agree upon. But I think, it, the most important thing is that we keep this, um, uh, you know, as individualized as we can for the people coming here. So, um, and
2: it is a an but- all ex- all inclusive package that you're offering for the six days camp, isn't it, Ali? Can can you tell us a little bit more about what uh, what the riders would get for? I think it's what uh, the thirteen hundred and fifty dollars for the six days and all inclusive. Can you can you tell us exactly what it is uh, that they yeah get- they
4: um. They have um well, it's you know the the participants are responsible for um their lodging um and their horses' feed and um stuff like that and um but uh, the camp will provide stabling, bedding um breakfast and lunch daily. I think we're doing a Monday night welcome dinner um hey Allison I, think we I might do.
0: on that note it, it says me. it's on that note it says gourmet meals are you cooking those?
4: Oh, no, Sarah is I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> Sarah is amazing. And Sarah Heffron, who is, I think, the contact point for this, this camp, she's done a lot of um, just uh, the organizing and just set up with this whole thing. She is truly amazing. But All
0: right. So she we... says
4: she loves to cook, too. So um, I, I think one night we might be um, – going to a restaurant as well. But I think there'll be a lot of opportunity to have one-on-one time with, um, all the lectures and, um, obviously Craig and myself as well. But I think that's neat to not just have, you know, the lectures and just that specific Q and A time. I think it's really neat for people to, um, be able to get to know us on a personal level as well. Um, and I know one of the days that asked me to talk about my trip to Europe this summer and, um, get together a bit of a slideshow for everyone. And and that'd be really exciting because I think that's a great story. So, um, I think it's just going to be a really, really, um, you know, educational week. It'll work really hard, but it's just going to be a lot of fun for people as well.
0: So. All right. And and the dates on that were February 1st through the 6th uh, next month, a couple of weeks away here. Yeah, that
4: very first week in uh, February.
0: All right. And um, you, they can get details on Craig's site, right? CraigThompsonEventing.com? Yep,
4: yep. All
0: right. So, so they can get all the details there. And we encourage everybody to check it out. Give a call. There's uh, f- phone numbers there. Actually, if if you are interested and want to contact Sarah Heffron immediately. You can call her at 631-252-4892, and I'm sure she'd be happy to answer any questions that you do have. Allison, good luck with this. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a lot of fun. Everything that you're putting into it, it's not just riding, but it's educational. It's dealing with the mind, which so often we forget about as athletes. It's still 80% of the, the whole deal being an athlete is, is what's in your mind. So I, Absolutely. I appreciate you guys doing this. Good luck with it, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Great,
0: thank you. All right, well, we wish Allie luck with her eventing camp, and I hope that goes well because I think there should be more of that kind of thing, and you truly aren't going to get that intense training anyplace else. Uh, But now we have to get to our next guest, and the highlight of the day here because this involves our Rolex coverage. And uh, tell us a little bit about Janie. I know you've known her for a long time.
2: Well, Janie has been involved with the Rolex event from from the inception back in 1976. She actually came on board as a volunteer. She was, in fact, the chief dressage steward from 76 to 1984, I believe. And it was at that time Equestrian Events, Inc., which is the organizing committee for Rolex, uh, appointed her as the executive vice president and event, directory, uh, event director. So she will actually be coming into her 25th year uh, this year for Rolex. So uh, we're very excited about having her on the show because, obviously, she has a wealth of experience and background and can tell us many stories. But a challenge, of course, this year is is facing the uh, the, the new... Um, arena, where uh, the new the new Rolex Arena, um, she ha- has that to deal with, which is adding a new dimension to Rolex, and uh, and also preparing for the World Equestrian Games next year. So, we'd like to welcome Janie to the show.
0: Hi, Janie. It's good to have you on the Eventing Radio Show with us. Hi, Glenn. Good to be here. Well, you know, uh, it's been a a couple years since I've spoken with you. Let me ask you, though, did did you ever imagine that 25 years ago when you started all of this, that it would become what it is today and that we'd be doing the World Equestrian Games next year?
1: Well, I hope so. But when, when we started, you know, there wasn't a World Equestrian Games. That didn't appear until 1990. Before that, it was all individual world championships.
0: Right. Right. I do. You know, I do. It's grown like crazy over over the last since since you've been involved. Obviously, it's it's just taken off. Well, I, I'm really interested in the last, let's say, five years. Has there still been a growth in attendance and revenue over the last five years?
1: There has been. And it's just um, I mean, it's a steady growth. It's nothing major. It's it's five percent, six percent. Last year it was a seven percent increase, where we finally reached one hundred over one hundred thousand for the four days. Um, and that's a hundred thousand. That's
0: that's a hundred thousand people.
1: Spectators? Yeah, over the four days. Okay. Next, now, I mean, some of them came all four days. Right. So. Right. But so we, we all count, you know, the, for the four days. <laughs>
0: Do we, I, I've heard the figure, like, 40,000 people, the number of people that actually attend the the event. Uh, I've heard forty to 50,000 people. Is that about right? Probably. Okay. Probably.
1: When you figure the, the people that come all four days, then some only come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because they can't get off work on Thursday. And then there are those who come only Saturday and some only Sunday, and some come both those days.
0: Now, you're the executive director... Uh, so you basically head up the whole thing, right? You you organize pretty much all the departments and everything that goes on at at the Rolex event.
1: Well, yes and no. I'm I'm executive vice president of Equestrian Events, which is the nonprofit charitable corporation that puts the event on. Okay. And and then I'm event director, which is basically the competition director. Now, as as the basically CEO of the organization. Uh, you know, I manage the financial, I manage everything that a normal CEO does, but we have a board of directors that, unlike, say, a business corporation and even some nonprofits, the members of our board, each one of them has a job during the event. It's not the competition side, it's the other side, like hospitality, the trade fair, the three-day event souvenir shop. So our board members don't just sit there, they work.
0: Oh, I didn't re- and, and- actually, I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean it's they they do they all work. I mean our, our president, as a matter of fact, is in charge of security. So she sets out all she works with a committee and lots of other people and and some professionals and they set out uh, the security and the parking and all this all those plans.
0: Now you have obviously this year. You have a lot of challenges ahead of you, and I just talked, to, <clears throat> I just talked to, to John, the director over at the horse park, and he wanted me to assure you that, that the uh, stadium would be done, and he said you have inquired <laughs> about that a few times.
1: Oh well, yes, like once, at least once a week. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and well. and I drive, I drive by it once a week to see what's going on and when I will be able to see that there is a an arena floor down there for the horses to do their dressage and their show jumping.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, it is looking nice. They are. And we'll just let everybody know we're talking about the new outdoor stadium that's being built. That's being built as a result of the world equestrian games coming to the park. And they're hoping to have that done. And well, they're, I think they will have it done. They're making pretty good progress. They're going to have that done. I'm, I'm saying that for your benefit, Jenny. they thank, thank you for that. <laughs> they're going to have that done in time for Rolex, which is only a few months away now. Um, but he did say that they're going 90,
1: to— 99 days, actually, if you count from today, for the first horse going in the dressage arena. <laughs> okay.
0: You have that count down in your head, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he did say they're going to start putting the footing down next week, and that that should be done in plenty of time. So, he uh, he was pretty confident, I think. And it is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is going to be a beautiful uh, structure.
1: It is going to be absolutely gorgeous, and the new, what I call the park grandstand, and I presume they'll call it that too, uh, which has over seventy five hundred seats, uh, two thirds of them covered which increases the number of covered seats there, the lake grandstand that used to be on the lake side that was covered that we engineered getting done uh, when they started this new stadium was taken down piece by piece and numbered sort of like an erector set and will eventually be reused because people donated funds uh, to get that grandstand done. It will be reused and rebuilt at another arena there at the park what we call the walnut ring up the hill from the main stadium. But this new stadium's gonna be truly gorgeous. And was... the footing
0: Yeah which the is foot new
1: footing, it's yeah, it's a German footing. It's a firming do- footing done by a German company which has received it it's already been in this walnut ring and it was used in Aachen for the World Championship and it's uh it's it's garnering acclaim by all the competitors who've been on it.
0: And I didn't realize and
1: the horses do like it
0: <laughs> yeah, and i didn't re- I saw them putting that in it's quite a process too it's it's got many, many layers to that footing, and it takes some time, and they do everything by hand to put it in it, it yes. it's, yeah it, it is it's it's an interesting process I didn't realize that they were going to take the old grandstands and put them over there at the walnut ring.
1: well, we have this leg grandstand that that's there, and they certainly aren't going to uh, trash it anywhere,
0: yeah, and it doesn't
1: fit in with the scheme because all the park wants. Is I mean the the new park grandstand looks toward the lake. It's on the north side of the arena where the lake grandstand was on the south side. Right. So and they wanted to keep that vista of the lake, which was a lovely vista. You can put like we will be putting temporary grandstands around there. They didn't want to put this this uh, lake grandstand that was covered and all back there and the Walnut Ring, which is used by the Hunter and Jumper shows for jumper classes and then by some um, combined training. No, you know call it combined training. Eventing competitions um, needs to have a place for spectators to sit. So this is going to work out very nicely.
2: Janie, tell us a little bit more about the the new um, stadium there and how it's impacted your arrangements with Rolex in terms of, you know, seating, uh, for example, and where you're going to put your – you've got a new tower for the judges and, um, and announcers and the media. Give us a sense of where all this is going to – why, you know, a visitor coming this year who's been – probably to all the previous Rolexes or many of them is going to have a very different environment. What would be your message to them? What what can they expect when they come to Rolex this year?
1: Well, um, as I say, this new park is, is humongous and it covers a whole uh, area on the North side that previously was where we had our equestrian club and patron club tents and then grandstand seating in front of those. Those tents are going to have to move across the road because This grandstand goes from the arena all the way back to Ninabody Boulevard, which is the main road that goes through the park. We have outlined where we're putting grandstands. We'll have grandstands on the south side and one grandstand, large, humongous grandstand, temporaries, these are uncovered, on the west side, as we did last year. But we're having to move uh, our sponsor, Hospitality, to the west side of the arena because the pavilion we used is no longer there because the grandstand is there. And
3: the uh, east
1: side will be uh, some private hospitality and, and grandstands for the competitors and the owners and the grooms. And in fact, the designed end gate for this arena may or may not be what I use as the end gate. I may use the, the way they came in the end gate before, but I won't know that until the arena is a little more completed. So the The uh, grandstand company is going to be on pits and deals until I decide w- which way i'm going to put, bring them in
0: yeah, you know it's it's interesting because right now the the grandstands themselves are in pretty good shape, and the building that's going to be the press building and the announcers building is is in pretty good shape, but the rest of it's pretty much a mud hole at this point and, now and they, our- they've
1: yeah they've started on that now and and it's starting to look more you, you can see more. But I, until they start getting the auto sport on there, which means they have to have have uh, dug it all out, leveled it all, and everything, I'm just it's all it's all pie in the sky at the moment. It's what we think it's going to look like, but you never know until it's really there. Completion well, date is supposed to be February 15th, so that will give us time. We start putting up tents March
2: one. Well, I'm so sure. Our sponsor- to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh,
1: well, in the Sponsor Village, which is across the street, at the moment, there's a huge trench through it, and we're looking at this this huge trench and this this um, all these pots of dirt and going, oh, dear, we're not worried, though. We're not worried. I mean, everybody knows it has to get done by Rolex.
2: Well, well tell us this, Janie. How, how are the ticket prices going to be affected this year by these new facilities?
1: Well, previously, the late grandstand, for example, we didn't have to pay anything for those seats because the question events and and spectators and all who had donated money, and Jackie Mars uh, donated a huge amount to help with that grandstand. We didn't have to pay anything for those seats. We will have to pay for seats in this new grandstand because it's owned by the park. And uh, the park always, you know, they need revenue of their own, and the state will have spent a lot of money on this grandstand. Um, so what we have uh, – I mean, the seats in the park grandstand are more expensive than the uncovered seats. Even the uncovered seats in the park grandstand are more because we will have to pay more on a per-seat basis than we are having to pay for the grandstands that we rent. We we got off really lucky from uh, 1978 to about 1990, maybe, Uh, because the grandstands that were put there for the world championships were purchased by the state of Kentucky. So we didn't have to pay anything for seats. But over the years, they deteriorated, and the safety code was tightened up. And at one point, the fire marshal said, these are now condemned, they must go away. That's when we had to start renting temporary grandstands. Because, and, and I need to make this clear, Uh, You all know, but but the general public may not, that the Rolex Kentucky three-day event is not organized at the Kentucky horse park. It is organized by Equestrian Events Incorporated, as were the 1978 World Championships, which is a nonprofit charitable corporation established for for the purpose of doing the 1978 World Championships and, and continuing on. And Rolex came in, Rolex Watch USA, came in as title sponsor in 1981. So uh it costs us a, a fair bustle to put this event on we, we have not really we've added about ten dollars to each ticket not each daily ticket but to the packages and things and we've had to add a a, a dollar here and there but it's not been in our opinion an exorbitant increase you
2: know
1: uh, what we've included, Pardon me.
0: I was just going to say, I looked at the rates there yesterday, and I, I, you know, when I looked at those, I didn't go, "Well, that's out of line." You know, it's, it's, it's what you would expect to pay. I mean, concerts now to take two people to a concert, you're paying 120 bucks.
1: Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, what, my thing has always been, and the board has has supported me on this is, I would like a family of four, which I come from, and you know, it's a nuclear family. Um, I would like them to be able to come to this and all four days and enjoy it and not, not have to uh, pay an arm and a leg. And, and uh, Now a lot of people save up all year to come from out of state and, and far away, and they have to the, pay for the hotels and their travel. Thank you. The gas has gone down a little bit, so that's going to help everybody. But uh, our purpose is to put on a competition that helps the United States field competitive teams in international competition, be it in the Olympics, in World Equestrian Games, in just Badminton and Burley, the the big ones over in England. Uh, And so that's our purpose. We need to make money uh, to put back into the competition to keep the course good, and we also try to put a little back ourselves each day, each year in what we call the rainy day fund, so that if we have a year we have rain before it and are unable to put on the competition, Um, we can pay everybody back what we need to to make sure that those who have prepared for the event are not at a loss.
2: And to that point, Janie, uh, clearly the uh, view for the spectators is going to be different this year. Tell us how this is going to impact the competitors when they ride into that arena, um, and they're familiar with the old arena, of course. What are they going to uh, see that's different?
1: Well, I can't tell you that yet, Chris, because I haven't. You know, I myself (laughs) have not been inside it from their viewpoint. Uh, Of course, that the new park grandstand, which goes up to twenty. A-A, let's see, 26 is the alphabet, and I think it goes up to C-C, so we're looking at about 29 rows. Uh, and, and they will never have seen that on that side of the arena because it was tents and this and that and the other. Um, so there will be a lot new for them to see. However, what I started, oh, about six or seven years ago, once we put that lake grandstand up, what I started was after the horse inspection, I allow the horses to go into... The arena. They cannot go in the dressage competition arena, but I I call it the familiarization, and they can, and and it's kind of fun to watch. We get a lot of spectators because it's everybody in there going around, and and you know how fit event horses are, and they go in and they see these new things, and they do little wheelies and this sort of stuff. Um, But it it allows them to. see the arena and for the horses to see all the spooky things and get that out of their system before they go in there for the dressage test because as you well know uh... they are so fit and ready to go cross country and that's really all they care about uh, that they're going when they go in the dressage ring they go oh please let something let me buck let something spook me so i can buck
2: i was thinking in terms of of the surface out there of course they're going to have this new fabulous footing But what will they see in terms terms of the difference in the size of that arena in total, Janie? Because we don't have the old island there anymore, so we've got a little bit more playing field, if you will. What what will be the size and shape of that playing field in total for them to ride in?
1: Well, as as the design, as I've seen it in the plans, it's it's quite square. Uh, And and there is a large field of play. There's a smaller field of play, that the World Equestrian Games will use then um, will be used in the future, the legacy surface, so to speak, because that's larger for the jumper shows so they can get a couple of, a re- of uh, uh, have a lot of fences in there so they can do different courses and things for, for during the jumper shows. We're going to use uh, the entire field, which actually, uh, according to Richard Jeffrey, who's our course designer and has, been course, designer for many of the chamber shows, it's not that much larger, except for the no island in there, than it was before.
2: And we, we understand that you do have a contingency plan um, in case that something should happen, heaven forbid, that the arena's not ready uh, in time for April 22nd. Uh, could you tell, tell our audience what actually that contingency plan looks like for you? Well, I've always said, if it
1: doesn't get done, there is the secretary at Polo Field, which if anybody has ever been there, they passed on the way from the infield to the hollow complex, uh, and it's just a big old Polo Field that I'd have to put temporary grandstands and tents around.
0: They're going to let you Don't. use the Polo Field, Janie?
1: They will if that <laughs> sucker's not done.
0: <laughs> That's like sacred ground.
1: All right. Well, no, no, no. The Polo people are very good about allowing us to use it <laughs> and allowing things to go over it. Yeah, and, they and, understand that the horse park is a multi-purpose and multi-use facility.
0: So I assume that the uh, vendors, which is really half the reason that people come to this show, the vendors, are, are they going to be in the same arrangement uh, up there on the hill and in the, in the old indoor as well?
1: Right. The sponsors are on the hill where the trade fair used to be, so that's our sponsor village. Right. And then the, the trade fair merchants are in the covered arena and uh in some tents outside and, and the horse trailers are in in outside areas.
0: Okay, so that's pretty much the same as it was last year?
1: Right. Has right.
0: there has there been a change because I know there you probably did have to change the cross country course a little bit because of the arena and everything, right?
1: No. No, no that no no. The the uh, distance. I mean, the area from the head of the lake jump, which of course is is one from the 1978 World Championship. Right. Uh, down across down to the road and everything, that was considered sacred sacred ground. And while and so the the head of the lake is is fine as it is. Um, now they will move over a little bit where we went over the warm up arena. We'll be off to the right of it or to the east of it uh, to cross through because the. Um, that arena has taken on a larger conflict or larger area now. But no, no, it's everything's still pretty much the same.
2: I wanted to ask now you, that, Jane, I, about that warm-up area because driving by there, they've they've raised the, the level of that and it looks as if they've put drainage in there too. It looks very different. Uh, and uh, when I drove by there last week, uh, they were working on it to settle it. But what will be different there in that area? And you say it's it, it has impacted the cross-country route um because you've had to bump that over a little bit uh, w- which side which side will the cross country route take now if you're coming down from the hammock where which side will they go
1: They go to the left of it which is which they went to the left of it before but they went over the the um uh, that we crossed the warm up arena but there will be a, a new warm up arena across Nina from that one that'll be parallel to it uh, and this was raised because to put the autosport on it the way this the Autosport surface the way it works is there's a gravel base uh for drainage and then um there's these rectangular holy plastic things
0: yeah well, that, I, I, uh, I, I they look like uh, overgrown milk crates
1: yes they do but it's but it's a flat yep. flat thing and, and it's for the drainage too and then the autosport which uh surface which is a uh sand and fiber polyfiber and um a bunch of other things it's real fluffy and palomino colored and and it 's really really a nice surface um, goes over that and and the the key with this surface and the the way it's constructed is the drainage. the water goes away it just flat goes away we've used it one year at the walnut ring a wee the horse park has and force down rain and the water just goes away you don't have puddles you don't have sopping wet surface i
0: I was there i was there one day when it was raining and they were using that for a jumper show and you're absolutely right there was no indication on that surface that it was actually raining
1: right and the horses just love it it's got just enough bounce uh for jumping and now i i don't I haven't even ridden on it. I never had an opportunity. I've trotted on it myself to see, and I like the, the feel of it. Um, I, and I know they use it for dressage in, in Germany, so I feel quite sure that that the event horses are going to think they've died and gone to heaven.
0: Right. Yeah. They won't hey, be. They won't well, be used to you that. Know, event,
1: event horses. I mean, they're they're trained and and they're so tough that they'll go on anything, and and that's what they get for dressage a lot of times yeah. in, in horse trials. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm sure they'll see a huge difference. The riders this year, Janie, it it, it promises a you know a, a completely different setting for them and uh, a, a much more mature uh, event because of the facilities that are being prepared there. And I was thinking also, um, of, you know, of the new. A breed of riders that are coming to the horse park for the first time um that that you know they may not appreciate it as much as those that have been riding on this so for years you know such as the karens and and bruce's and david's of this world um but i i wanted to if i will bring us on to the featured riders you always name featured riders each year and uh, there are four again this year could you tell us um how you nominate these featured writers and what it actually means to them and to the event? What do they get for being featured?
1: Well, actually, I don't do that. Uh, my webmaster Evan Haller, uh, chooses the writers with my approval, but he, I've never had to say no uh, because he always chooses a good a good group of writers. Uh, we like some some who people would know immediately, and then others that are up and coming. And Evan uh, works very hard to research this, and of course we want some foreign riders, and um, so he comes up with a very good mix of them, and they really they just do it out of the goodness of their heart. He asks them; uh, they know that that this is good, and and it's good for the sport. And you know the writers, um, all all the time the, the big name writers have always been very good about helping to promote the sport, and now. Sport is, is growing in people's uh, knowledge and being able to see be seen more. The young writers are essentially being trained to start this at a very early part of their careers, and it's it's really good for them and good for the sport. And so it's a wonderful thing. So
2: know, what do they actually have to do, Janie? Um, once you've picked those names, what what are their commitments to the event? Uh,
1: just just to. Provide to Evan um, so that he can edit it and get it on the website. Installments. I think he goes for four installments of them. What they do leading up to Kentucky, and you would be surprised. Well, no, you wouldn't. I'm sure you've read them and everything. But you know, some of these people have never done this sort of thing before, and they just they just come right up and they do exactly what is needed. It's, they all. Some of them have been kind of surprised. Said, Didn't know I could do that. Didn't know I could write that well. But they really well, do. But you know, it, good riding is merely speaking through the written word, and so that's what they're doing. They're telling you what they're doing, how they're getting. Well, here. I,
2: that's. I mean, I, I know that that, that this uh, this is always of interest to get the backstories to an event, and we certainly, when when it comes to the event ourselves, as you know, we'll be covering it daily uh, from from the venue there, and and we certainly would like to feature your featured riders. So at some point, either leading up to. The event or during Rolex, we will have them on the show.
1: Good, that'll be great. So I mean, you... You know, we have a new one. Holly Bennett was, uh, who I just love. Holly's from Canada. and I mean, she lives in California, and uh, she was going to be one. But and I don't know why she isn't, unless she's just not coming with Livingstone, her the horse she's been at Rolex But there's now an, uh, she has recommended a new young person uh, and a rider who's never been here. Dick Zwick, I think is his name, and i'm I when I got the email about that, I said, "My goodness, who in the world is that because I've not heard of him, so I'm going to have to do a little research on him. But, well, you know, but I understand he, he was at fairhill and and there's no and comer
0: well, speaking of riders do you, do you know how many are expecting this year? no clue okay <laughs> um, when will that come out
1: more foreign riders Then uh, I never have a clue. I okay. expect more foreign riders than ever because uh, I am told that many of them are going to come over here because they want to see the venue ride over the ground and uh, ride a course that's designed by the designer mike etherington smith of great britain who's going to design the world championship course
0: i thought that might be sense. the case i was what i was going to ask you that i also do the 2010 radio show the show all about wegg and I, I thought that might be the case that all this year through all the different trials and events that are going to go on this year some special ones we're going to see a lot more foreigners than than we usually do
2: do you well, have an are, indication now and- that- Janie, do you have an indication of who might be coming from overseas at this point? Has anybody contacted you and said, yes, we'd like to come?
1: No, because the schedule of the competition has not, our draft schedule has not yet been approved by the FEI. Once that, which should come, you know, within the next week, once that's done, then the formal invitations, I mean, there's a procedure you have to follow, of course, the formal invitations will be sent out to the national federations, inviting them to send riders to. Uh, Kentucky, and at that time, so that I can have some idea of, of uh, what I'm going to do with with my foreign barn, uh, we will ask them to. They're under no obligation that this is a definite entry, but to just let us know how many might be coming, um, because usually we'll have. I'll get a maximum say of six uh, riders that are horses that are Australian, of those that are in England and British horses. Uh, and New Zealand horses coming over, and I have to do what is called an isolation barn, where those horses come into New York, they're van down, they go through their quarantine, they're van down to Kentucky, they they go into this isolation barn, so that when it's time to go home, they can go directly home instead of having to be in quarantine before returning to their country of origin. This is something that their home countries. Uh, to let them get back to their home country easier it's not a um an american requirement but it's something to so that they don't have to go through a 30-day quarantine before they can go home so um they remain in this isolation bar they can go out just like any other normal horse they can't do um have their horses touch noses to say hello with american horses but they so they can't you know play footsie or anything like that
0: right 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 but,
1: um they can uh, do this, and that way they get home. So I'm, I'm asking for this information because I think I'm going to need to enlarge my isolation barn area, take in another couple of barns in some area, because I believe I'm going to have more horses. And I'm just trying to, to ask them to get a handle on it. Under the, the rules of the International Question Federation, the FEI, we're not supposed to, to go directly to other national federations and okay. talk to them. Until the the schedule is out and all, and then we can once, okay. once they've said something.
0: I do. Uh, so, when will you know what? When when is the final rider list posted? When is that uh, available? Uh,
1: the entries close on March twenty fourth. Okay. They open February twenty fourth and close March twenty fourth. Uh, and and I put the entries up on the website as they come in, and we have scratches, of course, and all that. Uh, but the final. Uh, definite entries are are required at the closing date, that March twenty fourth date, and then uh, we just see what happens. And I'll do a timetable based on that. And we you know we don't know who actually and the foreign horses arrive like the Friday before uh, the event generally.
0: Okay. Of course, with
1: different countries coming in, we'll we'll just know more. Uh, some may come in early, some may come in a day later or something.
0: Okay, and I um, obviously we're we're in a recession this year, and the worst one in a very long time. Are you concerned at all that's going to affect the gate, or even how many horses uh, show up to ride? Yes, <laughs>
1: yes, I am. I have to be. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, our, our I would have been surprised
0: had you said no.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, well, I'd been stupid and I said no. But um, you know, people tend to want to come to Rolex Kentucky. And it's um, something they save up for, so i I'm, I'm hopeful that I mean, we're seeing our ticket sales are just slightly down right now from what they were before. So I'm hopeful that you know we'll at least hold hold hard, as we say, to with uh, the number we had last year.
0: Yeah, and you know, horse people tend to be a little uh, addicted and crazy. So, we're all well, we, do. yeah, and we we save our money for things like this and and we'll we'll find the money to do something like Rolex. Yeah.
1: This is true. I mean, it's it's uh our board and all our committees, we've said hold your expenses, don't go crazy. But no matter what, our expenses are going up because we now have uh to pay for these seats that we didn't have to pay for before and right and uh and with everyone else, you know, costs just go up. Well, so you know, we're just trying to hold our own.
0: Well, I think I think I think you're gonna do fine and Chris and I are gonna do whatever we can to promote this show, or promote this event before before it arrives over the next fifteen weeks. We'll we'll be here talking about it and talking to all the big players and, and the writers and the organizers and everybody. So we're we're gonna have a little we're gonna have some fun with it before the event even arrives as well, and I'm sure we'll be in touch with you, uh, you know, along the way. Now, my I do I'd be remiss being the host of the 2010 radio show to ask you really quickly how the preparations are going for the eventing for 2010.
1: Well, it's uh, we're moving right along. I mean, we're and we're also cooperating with driving because, of course, we're going to use many of the same or they're going to use many of the areas that we already.
0: Right the, right. the
1: the water complex, the head of lake water complex is is almost totally brand new, much larger because driving will use it and these are things that, that we're doing now and basically cost wise it's a it's a one third, one third, one third. You know, one third's rollers Kentucky, one third's driving for the wag and one third's uh venting for the wag to pay for this the the new areas and the hollows being enlarged to accommodate driving and so people will see some changes this year on those complexes that will relate to the world equestrian games in both eventing and driving. And but what will happen is that uh of course it's the same course designer for eventing uh for Royals, Kentucky as for the World Equestrian Games. And and Derek DeGrazia has been brought on as assistant course designer to, to add the American flavor and to to help in that, and, and Derek's a, an excellent course designer on his own anyway. So uh, this is going to be interesting for people this year, and where a lot of the competitors are saying, "Okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to know what's going on in 2010." Trust me, they won't. <laughs> uh, it's it, you know Mike. Mike is such an excellent course designer, as, as many people know. He's done two Olympic games, and the only course designer ever. He did Hong Kong. Uh, last year, and Sydney in 2000, and um, he's he's never done a World of Question games, so he's really excited about this, too. Um, and it's, you know, we're going, well, the complexes are the same, but it's sure going to look a whole lot different. Even if they come in during Rolex 2010, it's going to be nothing like that when they come to the World Championships, assuming they get there.
0: Right. So right. I mean, it's kind of fun. We're having fun with it. Good, cool. Well, we're looking forward to it.
2: Well, Janie, you must have a lots of memories. I know this is going to be a milestone year for you—25 years as event director. Uh, tell us now what what lies in store for you if, with uh, WEG next year. Of course, that uh, that is a whole new uh, set of plans. Uh, but what happens to Janie Atkinson after WEG?
1: Janie Atkinson's retiring after WEG. I figure that, that, uh, 26, 27 years, no, 26 years for, as, uh, event director for Royal North Kentucky, they need new blood. Um, and we're, I mean, I'll still be around. I'll, I'll probably work as a consultant and all because I, I do several jobs and we're going to need to have some different people to, to fill some of those positions. Uh, of course can't do that. If we don't make a little money to pay these people, but, um, I figure this, that I'd like to ride some horses again. I, I think I still can. I was just <laughs> going to say, you're going
0: to get bored, Janie.
1: No, I don't think so. <laughs> Everybody I've ever talked to that's retired said, well, you never, you still don't have enough time to get everything done.
0: That's that right. Done and I said,
1: <laughs> okay, my hope always was that I would. Uh, I mean, I have three rideable horses here that are just aging and not, not getting ridden, and I really
0: do like to ride. So we're gonna see you, like we're going to gonna see you out there competing again? Not at Rolex, Kentucky, but yeah, you'll see me. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't be just
1: size I've got one that that's coming on that he'll like to event.
0: Well, great.
2: Well, we know we're going to see you around the park for a lot longer, Janie. Um, just because you're ducking out and retiring after the World Equestrian Games, uh, I don't think that's going to mean anything to our visitors at Rolex because we know you're going to be a very permanent presence. At the Post park, it's, uh, It wouldn't be the same without Janie, and we are enormously grateful, Janie, for you spending this time with us on the Eventing Radio Show. Uh, as you know, we, we are new on the airways, and I think uh, by kicking it off with, uh, with you, I think it uh, gives us uh, the foundation for all the future, future programs where we'll be inviting a lot more guests from the organization, riders, of course, as well, um, but taking a look at all the different perspectives that make up this wonderful event. Janie, thank you so very much for your time. Well, I
1: I thank you. I think horse radio network's just a great thing, and I'm I'm glad to help you all. All right, hold on. And thank you, thank you very much for caring about
0: us. Well, Chris, that was great to talk to Janie. I hope we get to have her back again before. I hope she can take a couple minutes and and come back with us before Rolex, and I'm sure we'll we're gonna track her down at Rolex and uh, get a quick interview and see how it's going there. I, I do want to mention, though, our other shows on the Horse Radio Network. The one is called the 2010 Radio Show. And this past week's episode, we had John Nicholson of the Kentucky Horse Park. He was on actually talking about about what Janie is, is hoping will be done, the new stadiums and all the construction going on over there at the park. There's currently $107 million of construction going on at the Kentucky Horse Park, and you want to hear what John had to say about it. And you can listen to that show at 2010radioshow.com. The other show is called The Stable Scoop Radio Show. It was our premiere show on the Horse Radio Network. I do that with a friend of mine by the name of Helena B. out of Boston, Massachusetts, and that's a topic-driven show. We do a different topic every week. And last week's show, we had a number of guests, including dressage rider Heather Blitz, talking about her life and how a Kansas girl became a a Grand Prix dressage rider. And she talks about a tour that she's doing right now in the United States as well that you're going to want to hear about. And you can find that at StableScoop.com. And be sure to listen next week. Who do we have next week on our show here at Eventing Radio?
2: Well, we have two guests next week, Uh, Glenn. We have Nigel Casserly. Nigel has been uh, providing the sound system and the announcing for Rolex for many years, um, more than he cares to remember. And Can we say Uh, that Nigel's a character? Would that be an understatement? Well, I think it's fair to say that Nigel is the voice of, of Rolex, yes. and he's the, he is the voice that people listen to for the four days of competition. Um, so he's going to come on and tell us what it takes to prepare for a show of that size and you know the sound system that, that he has to put on around the park, and he'll tell us all about that and, and what it takes to be an announcer and be in good voice for four days. And our second guest next week is going to be the Australian event writer, Boyd Martin. Boyd, of course, came over here and was based with um, Philip Dutton up in Pennsylvania. So Boyd's going to come on and tell us about his preparation for this uh, year's event. He's got three prospects, actually, for for Rolex, which he's very excited about. And uh, so he'll be on show to tell us all
0: about that. Well, great. Sounds like a great show next week and we'll continue to do good coverage of Rolex right through uh, right through the event itself. We're looking forward to it. We have a ton of good interviews that Chris has lined up with some fantastic writers and organizers and not just Americans but, you know, all around the world. So we're excited about it. We're excited to be here. You can check out all our show notes with the links from today's show at eventingradio.com. There's a uh, bunch of links there including about the camp and everything we discuss in the episode you can find at eventingradio.com you can send us a voicemail we'd love to hear from you and we'll play them on the show if you like 270-803-0025 or you can email us at geeks geeks at horseradionetwork.com and thanks to our sponsors thanks to Chris for sponsoring and also Online.com. check about for all of your sign needs We'll see you again next week, Chris. And we'll look forward to it.